Welcome back to the ATP podcast with me, Brian Clark, and a huge welcome back to Croatia's Borna Church. After months and months of injury problems, he overcame the odds to claim his first Masters 1000 title, defeating Stefano Tsitsipas in the final. Tsitsipas extend this contest. Borna Cioric is the champion in Cincinnati. A first Masters title for the Croats. It is a fairy tale run after the injury problems. A year away from competitive tennis, eight months of rehab. And the emotion spills over. The third trophy of his career, but by far the most significant after everything he's been through. It's his first since 2018. And he's done it just under two hours today against Tsitsipas, the fourth seed, 7-6-6-2. Borna, congratulations, an incredible accomplishment. Your last Masters 1000 final, 2018. You've been through so much, especially in the last year. Are you able right now in this moment to appreciate what you've been able to accomplish this week? No, no, absolutely not. You know, I'm, uh, I'm just still not aware of it, obviously. It's, uh, it was a very, very tough match. Uh, at the beginning, I was, I was not playing very well, and, uh, and, and he was just pushing me you know, very hard, so I, I didn't have anything to do, but uh, I started to serve better. I started to play much, much better. You know, I, was, I was fighting very hard, and then in the second set, I thought I played, I played the best set of the whole year. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Congratulations once again to Borna Church, who was only able to play nine matches in all of 2021, but his 2022 is already looking far better. He beat Lorenzo Musetti, Rafael Nadal, Roberto Bautista Agut, Felix Auger Aliassime, and Cameron Nori on his way to the final in Cincinnati. So it wasn't a B for Greece's Stefano Tsitsipas, who's still looking for his first hardcourt Masters title. But in a year which has included multiple semifinal and final appearances, he took time off after Wimbledon to recharge. He says ahead of the U.S. Open, he is feeling the benefits of that decision. That's what I needed. I went back home where my family is, where all my friends are. And it was a great time. Uh, there's no feeling in this world better than being home mm-hmm. and being connected to the place you grew up. And I absolutely loved it. I had the best time ever recharging and getting a good rest uh, after many months in a row on the tour playing. Why did you feel like you you had to recharge? Well, you know, with tennis comes a lot of commitment and a lot of days of practice consistently. You don't get a lot of days to kind of have your mind off tennis. And for me, that is important to sometimes let go and, you know, concentrate on other things in life. Uh, tennis has been occupying a lot of uh, space in my mind daily. Uh, a lot of tension, a lot of stress, a lot of uh, competitive kind of um, my competitive kind of ego going out every single day. And uh, I needed to be feel human again and feel kind of balanced because uh, yeah, competition makes you uh, uh, sometimes makes you lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Um, do you feel like you've now you now have that balance between being a pro tennis player and also enjoying life is is it something you had to work to get to i am able to balance it out pretty well now i think with uh with experience and kind of seeing more what works for me best because i'm also very young i'm experimenting to kind of find out what is the best for me in 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 a sense where i'm able to 
consistently do that and be in a good mental state of mind uh, and just feel good with my life and myself and the people around me. I just wish sometimes I was I would spend more time home because I don't get enough days being back home. I am based in another country where I don't really speak the language uh, I haven't picked up yet. I hear English all the time, which I love as a language. Uh, but also, you know, hearing my people, uh, Greek, and being connected to my culture helps a lot with rejuvenation and uh, feeling like uh, myself again sometimes. Is there something you always do when you go back home? Uh, yes, I mean, I like spending most days at, at the beach in the sea, eating the local, enjoying the local cuisine, uh, the local food, uh, which brings kind of very strong memories of my childhood and uh, being reconnecting with cousins, uh, with friends from school, um, feeling kind of like this connection with the land, feeling like kind of the land belongs to me, although it doesn't. But it's it's the fact that you are there yeah. that makes you feel great already. You don't need anything else. Just being at home and um, living life uh, more in your kind of terms, the way you want to do things, yeah. without uh, anyone interfering. Yeah, I can see that. So you've added Mark Filipousis to your team um, a few weeks ago. He was at Wimbledon with you. Um, how did it all start? It started with. Um, Meeting him a few years ago, yeah. uh, my dad is very well connected with him. I also have seen him from time to time in tournaments. We have spoken, uh, we have spent hours, you know, talking and having discussions with him. So I just feel like it came naturally. You know, uh, I feel like we were kind of meant to be together, and he's been helping a lot. He's been putting his soul into kind of uh, finding ways where and and. and and um, different kind of structures to improve me as a player. Because I'm not really looking, you know, through him, I'm not really desperate or looking to kind of uh, get wins. Yeah. Uh, it's more about improvement. It, that's, what, that's what comes first. And I think he has a lot of experience in, in that field. He has played hundreds of ATP matches. And as a player, he understands certain psychological patterns and. Uh, structurally, kind of as, as a player, he has followed, followed a certain path that perhaps my coach hasn't really been that familiar with. And also what you said before, to you enjoy having opportunities where you can speak in your own language, you know? Correct. I've got someone who also speaks Greek, you speak Greek on court. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has his, uh, his way of going about things and we enjoy his company. That's the most important thing, apart from being... Uh, let's um, say a consultant, an advisor or a coach, call him however you want. It's more about the company and uh, the ability to be able to uh, share things very openly and without, fil without anything going through filter. And, and how's the dynamic on court when you practice? You know, you've got your dad there who's obviously been with you since you started playing tennis and now you've got Mark there as well. How, how do the, the two work together? Well, I would compare my dad as a, a wavy, stormy uh, sea with a lot of intensity and excitement and uh, a lot of uh, energy that, that he's able to produce. And Mark is more of a, like a calm lake with clean water uh, up in the mountains. And uh, that's what we're, what we're dealing with. And, it, and it's great to have both uh, worlds come together. Yeah. Well, it seems to work for you. 
Well, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> you're, in, you're caught up in the middle. <laughs> caught up in the middle. I'm trying to learn as much as I can from both because they have a lot of things to offer. Yeah. Um, it's it's good sometimes to collaborate. I think best things in life come when people come together and create things. I think the the, the better the structure of the team and more people that that have the same intentions and purpose in life, uh, when they come together, I think they can create beautiful, magical things and. Uh, it can be very much intensely lived, will kind of come alive. Stefano Sitipas speaking to Ursin Kaderis. It was another very good week for the Cincinnati semi-finalist, Cameron Norrie. He's starting to become a fixture at the latter end of tournaments. He told Ursin Kaderis that after reaching the semi-finals at Wimbledon, he now has the belief that a deep run at the U.S. Open is a strong possibility. I think it was huge for me, you know, just for... Uh, obviously my level and my confidence knowing that I can do it at the Grand Slams over five sets and and I, I always believed I could, could do it and go deep in slams but to actually do it and, and uh, reach the semi-finals not, not just make the second week of a slam to, to get to the semis can, I can take a lot of confidence and, and I think for me it just gives me, um, it's exciting you know I think I can on a surface that I wasn't that comfortable on I think uh, if I can do it at Wimbledon, why not do it at some of the other events? And, and um, yeah, overall, it was just a lot of fun that, yeah. that whole fortnight, and, and it was pretty crazy. And I think it was great for me. You know, I think a lot of the, the British public who, who aren't like avid tennis followers, I think it gave them a good chance to kind of get to know me a little bit and, and um, watch me and really support me. And it was very cool how they, they all got behind me, especially in some of the, the bigger matches with. Um, with Tommy uh, in the fourth round and then with uh, Goffin in the quarter. So it was uh, two massive matches for me and I, they definitely helped yeah. kind of get me over the line there. Have you since readjusted your goals? Uh, not really, you know, for me it was always been to, to get, or for this year anyway, was to try push towards world number one. Um, obviously it didn't help that there weren't any points uh, at Wimbledon, so it was tough to, tough to do that. and. Um, but uh, world number one, that's the goal. World number one, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal for me. And I'm trying to do everything in, in my power to try to take, take care of everything that, to give myself the best chance to do that. Obviously, extremely difficult and a, a long way to go with so many good players in front of me at the moment. But obviously, to, to get that result and to do that, I think it's, I can take um, some satisfaction. And, and I think I'm, I'm on my way to, to get there. But, I'm not saying I'm close at all. You know, it's a, a long, uh, tough way, a tough way to go. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge, and it's it's not easy for sure. Yeah. I mean, but at some point you must have realized this is not just a dream. This could actually become reality. When was that? Uh, I think I would say I would say last year. You know, I think at the beginning of uh, beginning of the year, or maybe in not like the first of the at the beginning of the schedule, maybe. February or March, I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm playing well, and and I think it was the first time where I was spoke to myself and with my team, and we started making some some more goals and and, and actually putting some more concrete things out there, saying, okay, I wanted to try get to, to I think it was try finish the year top 30, and and uh, was able to finish the I think I finished 11 or 12 end of last year, so I think obviously taking winning a lot of matches and, and playing a, a lot was was great and obviously gave me a lot of confidence to to go out and voice those those goals and then go out and and do them and and achieve last year but um 
yeah, but it's always the thing with tennis, you know, you, you go out and you smash your goals and then you, you're like, oh, I would, would love to go and do more and, and gone further. And and uh, I think with, with me and I think with most, most players with, with tennis, you're never satisfied and, and it's pretty addicting. You kind of want to keep going and, and keep pushing for more. Yeah, I mean, that's why players are still playing at 41, right? Yeah, it's, impre- <laughs> it's impressive, you know, seeing all these guys and... Seeing, uh, actually practiced with Vadasco last week, and oh, yeah. and he's looking still in, in great shape. And I was like, wow, the guy's done done everything, and he's he's just outside the top hundred, and he's still pushing, and he's still here um, competing and preparing um, along with Andy as well. And and uh, I just respect those guys a lot and what they've done for the sport, and especially when I was young, watching them and playing them playing all the crazy matches that they have, and mm. and then I'm out here kind of practicing and preparing with them. So it's it's very cool and. And uh, it shows that this life as a tennis player is a lot of fun, for sure, and, and uh, it's pretty addicting. <laughs> Can you see yourself playing at 40 or, or late 30s? I would like to, you know, if I'm yeah. staying healthy, uh, I love it. So, And yeah. I think I've loved being able to, to enjoy it more and more. I think as I've improved and I've become a bit more uh, used to being on tour, but it's, yeah, the, uh, the only thing I would say is the travel is, is pretty, oh, yeah. pretty tough. Well, not tough, but every time like going to check the bags and doing all that, you're like starts to starts to wear on you a little bit. But everything else, I love it. And um, yeah, but luckily I can sleep pretty well on flights, so I'll take that. Oh, can you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're lucky. I'm lucky. Cameron Nori speaking with Urson Kaderis, and coming up next, Mike Cation talks to a young man who managed to secure two very big victories at the Western and Southern Open this week. Getting to sit down with Ben Shelton here in Cincinnati. And Ben, here in Cincinnati, this may be the first time for a lot of fans to get to really see who you are as a tennis player. What's it like having your first opportunity to play at a Masters 1000 event? All right, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, It's definitely been a cool experience. Um, The court that I played on was pretty tight today and and jam-packed, so it was really cool that uh, some of the fans got to see me up close and personal um, for the first time, and uh, I'm really glad that it got to be here in Cincinnati with a lot of Americans, and I definitely felt, felt the support being a young American. You won here in the States. We have a lot of international listeners. You won the NCAA Singles Championship, which is the collegiate championships here in the States. Um, that was kind of one year after winning the team competition. What did winning the individual side do for you in terms of your development and, and your confidence heading into a professional summer, if you will? Uh, it definitely helped with my confidence a lot. Um, whenever you move up kind of through a level, any level that may be in tennis, um, it definitely helps you to uh, move forward and believe that you can push on to that higher higher level and play on that bigger stage. So uh, being able to be successful in the collegiate tennis season as a, um, from a team standpoint and individually, uh, I was really happy to uh, get that done and kind of go into the summer with like a, a boost. You then immediately just pop into these challenger level events and start having quarterfinal, semifinal. You also have a final now, um, two finals, sorry. So as a result, how, how did you just feel that confidence just to 
be at that level and not have any just fears about it stepping into that, that mainstream? Uh, I, I was lucky this summer to uh, be the young guy who's still in college and not have any weight on my shoulders. Um, I felt a lot less pressure than I think other players feel on the, on the Challenger Tour, and I was just out there having fun. So to be able to go out to my first tournament in, in Arkansas and kind of swing away, and realized that my level was good enough to compete with some of those guys. It kind of propelled me forward for the rest of the summer and, and uh, helped my confidence grow and uh, gave me the belief uh, that I could not only play at that level, but win and be successful at that level. It's a really interesting story. I know having talked to you previously, um, the fact that you did not go and specialize on tennis until much later in your, your development. Why do you think that has made you successful here in the first year, really, of playing at the professional level? I think that it's, it's helped me as a player and a person. Uh, I've definitely been able to develop some skills playing a lot of team sports that can't be developed uh, while playing an individual sport in tennis. And uh, so I think some of those things have uh, helped me a lot. Um, I think that it really helped um, my athleticism grow and a lot of my athletic ability comes from being able to play a lot of different sports and do a lot of different things. So I think that the way that my mind works, it's not always one track minded, see ball, hit ball. So I think that it gives me uh, something different on the tennis court and uh, I can do some things that players, most players don't see every day. Like what? I think that my serve is something different. Um, I don't know if it has to do with this, but I played baseball and football for a lot of years, so uh, developing my arm, the throwing motion, surely probably helped. Um, so I think that that's one difference. And then my unpredictability. Um, I don't have a, a set shots that I hit every single time or stick to certain patterns. Um, I do some things that I think uh, confuse other players and catch them off guard um, simply because I wasn't, my head wasn't driven into patterns and hitting the ball from 10 years old. Uh, I think most people will know your, your dad's name. Um, Brian, obviously a very successful professional career before he went into the coaching realm. Um, he and your mom both, I know it's, it's very important for you to have not only just the tennis experience, but also just the development as a human being. Um, tell me about that relationship with your dad and also how your mom has factored in over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been uh, really good. They they help keep me grounded. Um, obviously, we see things out on tour that are great examples of class acts and maybe examples that I wouldn't want to uh, be doing some of the stuff that I see people doing. So it, they've kind of just helped me learn, um, helped me grow as a person, and uh, a lot of teaching moments over this year, kind of getting my feet wet on tour. So. Uh, they do a great job of, of supporting me and helping bring me back to earth when I have uh, good results and help me focus on what's most important. Yeah, how, how are you going to handle the coaching situation moving forward? Obviously, I know your dad has obviously been such an important part in your life, but how do you think that will kind of move forward here? Right, I think that he'll still be my main coach. Um, I don't think that he wants to travel 30 weeks a year after doing the pro tour, coaching on the pro tour and, and collegiate tennis. It's, it's definitely been a lot for him. So I think that he'll come to a few events and he'll still be the main guy that I look to. 
and then uh, right now I have Dean Goldfine working with me, one of the USTA coaches, and he's done a little bit more of the traveling. Um, they work really well together, and it was important that I found someone who could work well with my dad and uh, not be an ego coach, and Dean's just a great guy that uh, I get along with, my dad gets along with, so it's worked out really well. How are you going to set what is a, a realistic expectation for yourself for the fall, um, considering I think there are a lot of media members and fans who might have some pretty high expectations for you right now. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot uh, playing based for me. Um, my dad's definitely driven in, into my head that once you start chasing rankings fast uh, and you don't develop parts of your game that need to be developed, that's when you see a, a big crash or a big drop. So I'm really focused on development first, uh, trusting the process of my training. And I, I don't know that I'll play a completely full schedule this fall. I'll definitely have some training blocks and try to improve some things in my game that I see that are lacking. Um, the great thing about being out here is there's great players every week that can expose your weaknesses. So I've kind of gotten a better idea where my game is at and where people can exploit me. So I'll definitely go to work on a lot of those things this fall. So that's kind of where I wanted to go next. Like if, if people haven't seen you yet, right. how would you best describe how you play and what you look to do? What makes you successful on a court? I think I'm an explosive all-court player. Um, I think I can put the ball in positions that other players can't um, put, put the ball in. Uh, I think that my serve is higher bouncing than uh, most players, and uh, I do a good job covering the court for my size. So I think that there's a few things that can set me apart, and uh, there's some things that I'm lacking that I've got been able to get away with uh, because of my athletic ability that I want to change. So the U.S. Open is coming up for you here right. in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've known you here for the last couple of months and gotten to spend some time with you. And I know kind of these, you really appreciate the moments that are, have been given to you. Right. How do you do that in New York um, while also making sure your focus is where it needs to be on a court? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to enjoy, enjoy the places that you are and uh, the positions that you're in, but at the same time, uh, make the best use of them. So uh, going to New York, I'm going to definitely focus in and try to lock in, uh, get up there early and uh, try to block out a lot of the noise, but while enjoying uh, the fans and, and the moments. So I think it's important to have a, a good balance uh, between how much you're enjoying it and what you're focusing on. Ben Shelton, thank you so much. appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks to Mike Cation for that chat and congratulations once again to Ben Shelton. As you've just heard, alongside the 2020 U.S. Open champion Dominic Team, Sam Query, Amelia Nava, J.J. Wolf, Lerner Tian, Ugo Umber, and Rinky Hijikata has been awarded a wild card entry into the main draw at Flushing Meadows. From a player making his way on tour to one who's been a consistent performer at the top of the game for the past 10 years, which includes a Masters 1000 title in Cincinnati in 2017, but after the Wimbledon Championships this year, Bulgaria's Grigor Dimitrov also had time to reflect, as he told Joe Krabis. During Wimbledon, I got, I got injured after I won the first set, and I was like very down because I, I put such a, such a like, good effort coming into the grass court season. I practiced a lot. I did a lot of... Uh, like different work. I had. A, I came from a very good clay court season, so I was like kind of down, and uh, I just wanted to take that time right after Wimbledon. As soon as that happened, I said, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna put my head, like my rackets down, my head down for a little bit." 
and just just enjoy. Honestly, just enjoy. I was I, I it was one of the first time that I put such a big effort to really like disconnect from the sport itself, um, and it really helped. I, I felt uh, I felt like almost after like a week, you start thinking a little bit more, you start missing it, you you want to do a little bit more. But I think I think it was just very healthy overall, and I'm I'm happy that I was able to like come back healthy again with like no pain, you know, enjoying the sport again, and I think that's the most important. What did you do in particular that you felt like helped you to disconnect? Yeah, I, honestly, I just rest. I didn't do that that much, anything crazy. I just I went to the beach. I, I, don't know, I watched TV. I was going to restaurants that I wanted to. I didn't have to careful too much with what I was eating, where what time I was going to bed, and all these things. So I just wanted to have like a little bit more of a of a loose schedule, like kind of gather all your other thoughts. I mean, we have so many thoughts, as you know, like when we're on tour. And right after practice day, you still have like six, seven hours in the room and, you know, so many thoughts are coming through and at times I write things down so I don't forget and so I can come back and think uh, about them. And that was a time where I didn't have to write anything down. <laughs> it was just me, myself and I. And um, yeah, it worked out, I think, for the best. And now now back, uh, back at it. Yeah. And you just reminded me of, um, I watched a video of another interview that you were you were getting that, um, you mentioned something that struck me that you said that's helped you a lot is that you've been able to gain the ability to stay calm a lot more often. H how did you get to that particular place? Was it taking more breaks like that or resting? I think I think experience, but it's, it's, I think being on tour for so many years, it had helped me a lot to, to also understand that the sport itself changes, you know, you expect of yourself always to be like the best and the top and everything, but you always gotta alter your your preparation. You gotta alter your like fitness, your your food, the way you prepare. Like just so many things that are happening, like that are happening behind the scene. And for me, all I wanted to do was like start being more kinder to my body. We take so much so much beating throughout nearly every day, every week that we we're competing. That was also time to maybe focus a little bit more on the rest and, and how to how to make sure that you're, you're primed up for what you have to do and how, for what you have to play. And it's just like, I, I took like a, a, a tremendous step back, but that's actually, that step back was a step forward for me. Uh, I, I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to get better. And I think after, after that, I, I changed my way of like practicing a little bit. I changed what I, how I was seeing the game itself. So, so many like, Small things that I, f I felt like I changed, and that that made instantly made me like a lot more calmer. And in the same time, also, you know, we, we're so consumed with like tennis, 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 and you know, tennis is just this much of our life, and then life is like that much more. So when also look at it from that perspective, you're like, okay, you know, like a little bit better. Uh, but of course, my 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 goal is to be the best that I can when I'm uh, when I'm out there, and as long as my body stays the same and Obviously, it cannot stay the same, but you know, injury-free, you still enjoy it and all that. I think you always, you always put yourself in a very good position to win, and and I, the the, the sport itself is, is is brutal. So I think if you learn how to do a few a few things a little bit better, you give yourself a better chance. I think also one of the things that impressed me. I mean, you're always continuing to want to learn and progress, which I love. Every, I mean, every time I talk to you, that's what you're talking about. But to be able to sustain that level and the success that you've had throughout this entire time ha has been impressive. 
what, what have you learned throughout that career that has gotten you to this point to be able to keep that level of success up? I think a lot of fight, to be completely honest with you. Um, and uh, how can I say, on so many on so many levels, I even when I look back, I could have said like, oh, I, I could have, I could have had a better career. But then when when I say this, it's like, oh, hold up, I'm still playing, I'm still there. So I've had, I, I don't regret anything that I've that I sort of done on the court, um, not off the court, to be honest. Um, but I, if if I could do a few things like a little bit different, maybe I, I maybe I would have done it. Um, why I'm saying this is because. You, you basically put yourself out there every single day, and I think that's that's the courage that I think that that I think everyone possesses, and it's it's very difficult. I think the, especially nowadays how the sport is is just also became very mental, and and things that have worked for me in the past, like being so having like a crazy like a regimen for fitness or this or that, it's not working for me as much as it used to do before. Now I'm, I don't know. Uh, going to a concert a night before or um, I don't know like rest a little bit more be a bit more precise with what you do it what gives you that extra uh, that gives you that confidence uh, I think once you once you have the motivation everything else comes with it but you still need to get to that point uh, to start with but you know the, my, my career has been I would say very very interesting so far um, I think I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm far far from the end but I still, hopefully, if, if, as I said, the body stays the same, and I'm, I'm still excited. Hopefully, I have like seven more years to play or more. I mean, which sounds a lot, but it's not in the same time. So, as um, I'm trying to also sometimes like look back of everything that I've done and kind of reassess every, um, how can I say, every every moment that I've had out there on the court, and knowing that I have, I still have a chance. Well, we're, we're hope you're around. We're you're around for a lot longer. Does it help that? Play, a lot of players are playing a lot longer than they did maybe like a decade ago. I, I think so, and I think we're going to see that more and more in the sense that we, you know, we, we take like obviously a little bit more care of the body now. We have the physios and everybody that is working with us, so of course that that prolongs everything on that end. But the rest is also up to you. Like if you still enjoy the sport, if you want to be around, if you want to travel, if you want to pack, and like all those things come come in the same time. But and everybody uses the sport as a different platform. Um, and I always, for me, one of the things that I've always wanted to, not to use tennis, but while I was, while I'm still on tour, was to never miss an opportunity of life as well. Like I never wanted to be like so, so hung up to that point in tennis that I could not start, I could not understand life a little bit differently. So I, th I feel like everything was going like hand in hand with me on that end. And it's very, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, to have learned that. And I think also that comes a lot from my from my parents, and I think especially from my mom, because she always keeps saying to me, "It's like you can be the greatest champion, but above all, I want you to be the, the best person you can be." And that always like stuck in me. Of course, champion is so important to me, to everyone that is competing. Nobody wants to lose, but in the same time, I've 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 always felt like, yeah, for example, if I would have been maybe too more focused on tennis, maybe I would have won this or that, or could have been had a better ranking and anything like that. But then when I look at it from the other perspective, I'm like. Well, that's cool too. I, I, I don't know. This is this is good too. But and if you're able to put that together, that's 
that's success to me. Former Cincinnati champion Grigor Dimitrov speaking with Jill Krabus. The Western and Southern Open title also sits proudly on the mantelpiece of Marin Cilic. It is one and only Masters 1000 crown, but the Croat is having somewhat of a comeback season with a number of semi-final appearances, including a run to the Final Four at Roland Garros. So could the former U.S. Open champion back in 2014 repeat some of his former glories in New York? I love tennis. I love the possibility of progress. Oh, wow! Hi, guys. I'm Marin Cilic, and this is what I've learned. It's not easy uh, definitely to wake up every day, to go train, to push yourself. It's not one of the sports where you can just show up you know, for the practice for, or, or for the match and then it's going to be good. You need to be really uh, digging in, just uh, trying your best, trying your 100%. You need real dedication uh, to your goals in order to uh, achieve them. The firepower that he has is good enough to beat anybody on the other side of the net. My parents just wanted to give an opportunity. I'm coming from Medjugorje, a small town in Bosnia-Herzegovina. We had only one tennis court and it was an uncle from, from Ivan Dodik. And so we all started uh, hitting on that court. In 1996, my father actually built a court in, in our backyard. And at that time, my grandparents were, were shocked that he was building a tennis court. I felt that, you know, for me and for my brothers, uh, my parents just wanted to give an opportunity uh, to do sports and, you know, to uh, use the best uh, we can, the resources, and so they can give us uh, the best chance to succeed. My parents were not, uh, you know, having a lot of money for us, uh, and, and it wasn't easy uh, just financially to support uh, all of us in the family, so uh, I was quite serious in practices, always giving my best, uh, always at tournaments, trying my best. I would come from school, uh, get lunch, my father would wait for me, then he would drive me to practice for like, 30-35 minutes over there, warm-up, training two hours, uh, wait for me, take me back home, and so all his afternoons he would uh, just dedicate for that. You know, definitely belongs so much for them that, uh, that what I'm today. You have to have that uh, real hunger inside of you. Your first ever ATP Tour title. I love tennis, I love the, the possibility of progress and obviously this excitement of being able to compete at the high level and possibly win some, uh, some great tournaments definitely, you know, brings the, the joy out of you. It's title number 20 for Marin Cilic. This spark is definitely bigger and bigger. There are certain times of our careers, even where you just feel incredible on the court. And those were days for me where I felt uh, definitely uh, almost invincible. Yeah. Oh, he's done it. And what a way to seal victory. Maran Cilic wins his very first Masters 1000 title. This sport is uh, extremely exciting in terms because you can improve every single day there are uh, tournaments always coming up and so that needs to excite you and with that energy I feel that uh, everything is, is falling nicely into place but most of all you have to have that uh, real hunger inside of you.
US Open champion in 2014. I have no idea, I mean, what, what made a difference to win the US Open, uh, probably, you know, lots of experiences at that uh, great level, that kind of a way uh, you learn things on the court, you feel amazing on us tennis guys. But obviously came because of a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of hours spent on the court and, uh, you know, going through ups and downs, challenges uh, to get to that spot where uh, you appreciate it so much. Every day I step on the court is a joy for me. I feel, you know, grateful that I'm still able to play, that I can, you know, still compete at a high level. Big smile. Enjoyed that crowd support. I feel in these last seven, eight months that my progress has been really good and that definitely motivates me to go for more. What a couple of weeks for Cilic. When I'm playing against top guys and, and having that level to compete with them, that's another motivation. Oh, that's tremendous. Oh, wow. I feel uh, on the core that, you know, more or less uh, everything is situated quite well uh, for my game. Oh, that is special. And I think he's just really enjoying the way he's playing now. The only advice I would uh, try to give myself would be that, you know, not just to think about that I've got enough time, you know, because we are all sort of feeling that, you know, you're going through stages of your life and you're feeling, okay, you've got time, you got time. Staying in the present moment, giving, giving your best and, and, you know, taking it step by step and, and obviously pushing yourself as much as you can. Oh, come on, Marin Cilic! This is special tennis. In the end, it's on you. You try to give your best and really dig in to, uh, to achieve what you want to achieve. Marin Cilic speaking with ATP Uncovered. We've heard from a number of big hitters already this week, many of them with realistic ambitions to go far at the U.S. Open. But what about the biggest hitting of them all? Rafael Nadal lost to the eventual champion Borna Chorich in Cincinnati. So when Mike Cation spoke to him, he asked if he was disappointed not to have had more match time ahead of the final Grand Slam of the year, especially after recently recovering from the abdominal injury he aggravated at Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. You know, I need to go step by step, uh, being completely honest. Uh, and um, always the, the abdominal strains are... Uh, uh, abdominal tear are dangerous now, so uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I think I am practicing quite well, uh, but mm, it's obvious that anything can happen. Uh, difficult to predict under my uh, situation now, but I am confident that I can uh, play at, uh, at a good level. I wanted to ask you about um, something that Carlos Alcaraz said last week. Um, after his loss, he mentioned that it was the first time that he hadn't been able to handle that pressure. The first time he faced the pressure as a top seed at an event and wasn't able to handle that. Um, and I'm wondering if, if you can kind of place yourself in his shoes and think back to when you were that age as well and starting to deal with that type of pressure for the first time. Do you have any ways that you were able to accept that pressure of being a top ranked player at a young age? And, and what might you say to Carlos? 
No, I think he, he has the right people next to him. No, I don't have to tell anything to, to him uh, until he, he's, he asks me. No, but uh, uh, in, in, in that fact, uh, I think um, when you are uh, very young, when you are uh, you know, coming up uh, and growing on the rankings every week, in some way, uh, things are a little bit easier now because uh, you don't have that uh, pressure that you have to win every week. No, if you make quarterfinals, great. If you make semifinals, good. Uh, you, know, you make uh, final fantastic, and if you win, it's amazing. No, so uh, it's everything new. And I remember at that uh, stage of my career that. Um, mm, you know, you you don't you don't feel uh, an obligation to to win every week. No, you just play uh, free enough to to you know that everything is new. Uh, you you probably don't realize how difficult is the things that you are doing. Uh, just enjoying every match, playing without pressure. But of course, arrive a moment that when you are very high in the ranking, uh, that you arrive to a tournament and the, the expectations uh, are. Okay, maybe I need to win this tournament. No? So uh, then the situation, the the, the approach, uh, mentally approach, change a little bit. No, but I, I don't think it's something that uh, is affecting him a lot. No, I think he's great and uh, he's having an amazing season. And I don't see him uh, any problem handling this kind of pressure. It seemed like it clicked pretty quickly for you, um, but it is something that a lot of players do deal with, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Just that that switch to oh yeah, I do need to win it. <sighs> The thing is, at the end of the day, uh, when you play this sport, um, you know that uh, at the end of the week, I'm going to be only one guy with the trophy, you know, and uh, the normal thing every week is to lose. Uh, and when you accept that and you understand that, then you understand that's, uh, that's only game, no? and you need to respect every, every single uh, opponent, uh, every single tournament, and every single circumstances that that can happen every day, no? Because the 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 dynamics and the the sport changes very quick, and you need to be ready to accept both things, no? The victories and the the amazing things that can happen, but at the same time, in the other hand, the injuries, the tough moments, the loses. Uh, but it's something that uh, is is part of our sport, no? And uh, we need to deal with that. And I think uh, you learn from that very quick. I wanted to at least ask you about Serena. Tennis mortality kind of comes and, you know, the end of the career comes for all of us, but your thoughts on how you processed uh, her announcement? Well, of course, it's sad news from the world of sport, not only from the world of tennis. Uh, she's uh, a huge star in, 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 of course, in tennis, but in the sport in general. So, uh, in some way, uh, it's... Uh, I feel sad, no, because we are losing uh, uh, an amazing ambassador. But at the same time, uh, yeah, for everyone, it's an end. No, uh, nothing is forever. Uh, she deserves to to choose whatever uh, works for her at this uh, stage of her life. Uh, all, all the great and uh, super happy to share a lot of uh, moments of. Uh, my career with with her on the on the tour, uh, I think uh, she's uh, an amazing inspiration for a lot of for a lot of people now. So uh, just well done for for her. Wish her all the very best. Uh, hopefully, even if uh, she's not playing anymore after the the U.S. Open, 
hopefully we can keep enjoying her on the on the tour being around because uh, I always believe that the the legends uh, makes our sport uh, bigger if they stay around uh, the the sport so hopefully we will be able to to see her very often on the tour those sentiments about Serena Williams I'm sure we would all echo thanks once again to Rafael Nadal and all of our guests and contributors this week I'll be back next week alongside former player Jill Krabis and commentator Chris Bowers as we preview the final Grand Slam of the year, the U.S. Open. We hope you can join us, and in the meantime, why not check out the podcast channel where you'll be able to hear exclusive, in-depth, one-on-one conversations with the likes of Stan Walrinka's coach, Danny Valverdu, and former Danish player Kenneth Carlson. He speaks about fellow Danes Holger Runa, Clara Towson, and Caroline Wozniacki. I'm Brian Clark. Thanks for listening and enjoy the tennis.